What are the biggest threats facing today's pastors? Steve Arterburn is our guest this week discussing burnout, pornography, and other dangers that today's pastors are facing. It's all in episode 74 of the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host, podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, Andrew Hess. Thanks for tuning in to episode 74 of the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm Andrew Hess, your host, and this week we're talking with Dr. Steve Arterburn. Dr. Arterburn is the founder and chairman of New Life Ministries. He has a very popular syndicated Christian counseling talk show radio program called New Life Live. He's the founder of the Women of Faith Conferences, attended by over 5 million people annually. He's a teaching pastor in Indianapolis, Indiana, and author of the very popular books, Every Man's Battle series, uh, several books in that series. But we wanted to talk to Dr. Arterburn today about how pastors can avoid the common struggles uh, that come into their lives and can easily sink their ministries. He gives us a lot of wisdom, how pastors can get help if they're struggling in that. And so now here's our conversation with Dr. Steve Arterburn. Well, Dr. Arterburn, it is such a, a, a great thing to have you on the Churchlers podcast today. Thanks for being with us today. Glad to be here. Dr. Arterburn, you have done so much work with pastors and ministry leaders, helping them. Um, as you look at the landscape today, it seems like a lot of pastors are under a lot of stress. It seems like there's a rise in burnout, uh, a rise in people leaving ministry for, for different reasons. As you look at it, do you see that, that these things are increasing, or has, has it always been this way? Well, I think it's always been uh, tough to be a pastor, of course, but yes, I mean, you know, we live in a very complex and ever uh, increasingly difficult society in which to function. And so with that, stress levels come up. I think uh, more than anything, we live in a, an era where temptation uh, is <laughs> rampant. You know, there are just so many more ways to divert yourself, um, you know, pornography being, you know, probably the the biggest problem that is faced not just by pastors, but by the people that they minister to. And, you know, um, the sad thing of, in any church, you've got more men, literally the research shows, so you've got more men looking at pornography uh, during the week than they're looking at their Bible. And if a pastor, you know, hasn't dealt with that issue in his own life, then, of course, he's not going to be leading the men out of that problem either, and uh, that's that's going to do two things. One, it's going to certainly stifle the potential for that church, but also it leaves a pastor, and here's just one of the worst things that, that we see happening, leaves a pastor living out of his false self. He's creating a false self, a false image. And if that's what you're doing, if you can't be open, uh, honest, and real because you've got all these secrets there that you're trying to cover up, then if someone says that they really appreciate you, you don't feel it because you're thinking, well, if they only knew me or if they respect you, uh, if they express love for you, you don't feel that. And so there's your your number one source of burnout is when you're living such a fake life in front of the people that you serve that you can't even receive love, affection, and appreciation. And so you really get no upside because you're always 
thinking, yeah, if they only knew me, they wouldn't be feeling that way. So I, I think the answer to this, you know, in part is certainly we've got to clean up our act. You know, I'm a teaching pastor at uh, Northview Church, which has been uh, here in Carmel, Indiana. It's been uh, said it's the second fastest growing church in America. And, uh, you know, I just know how easy it is to slip into that false self mode versus the real self. So we got to clean up our own act and then we can enjoy better uh, what whatever we're doing in ministry. We can experience it in a way that we'll never experience it if underneath it all we've got these secret sins that are really holding us down, holding us back. Mm-hmm. And I think that that describes so many pastors, even pastors who are listening to this today. What are the things that pastors can do or should do um, if that if that describes them? If they have you know, some secrets that they know they need to deal with, but they don't know how or or maybe even don't yeah. don't want to. Well, you know, um, let's just we, we got to I can't help the people that don't want to. <laughs> you know, that's that's the, the dilemma. I can help you if. Not only are you aware you have a problem, but you want to do something about it. And then you've got this third element, which is very, very lacking uh, in many circles, and that is willingness to do whatever it takes. But first of all, when Ken Taylor was developing the Living Bible Paraphrase, he came to Jeremiah 614, and he paraphrased it this way. He said, you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. And, uh, of course, you know, other translations now, they, they read, it reads to say that they treat the severe wounds of my people with superficial treatments. But I really like this thing about you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. So, first of all, a pastor can't get better if he doesn't see that he has a problem that needs to get better. So that's the first thing. you got to be willing to take a second look. You've got to start to live a reflective life and see, you know, hey, this this really isn't going the way I want it to go. And uh, that scripture, you know, what does it profit someone to gain the whole world, and especially in ministry, if in reality your soul is just rotting away? Then secondly, uh, you've got you've to say it out loud. You know, these people that say all I need is Jesus, you know, <laughs> like they, they totally uh, ignore verses like James 5.16, where we're told to confess our sins one to another, even if you're a pastor, and pray for each other, even if you're a pastor, so that you might be healed. So do you want to stand up in church on Sunday and confess that you've really got some sins you haven't been sharing? Absolutely not. you got to find a safe place to do that. Now, the only safe place that you might do that is a place that you might have been preaching is um, unholy, and that's in the office of a counselor. Uh, You know, it's so common that the person that is the most vocal about, well, you know, you don't, shouldn't go to counseling, you know, God's all you need, just use your Bible and everything. That's a person that wants to stay in control of their congregants. But also, it's hard for you to go from that position to admitting, you know, nobody needs it worse than me. But there, you have a guaranteed place where you can open up, deal with it, and you know it's going to remain confidential, (laughs) or you can sue the guy (laughs) and make a lot of money. 
But, you know, you, that's really probably the first step for a pastor that wants to deal with it is to go to a licensed clinical Christian counselor who's not going to, you know, turn you away from your, your beliefs, but where you can safely start to deal with the issues of your heart. And then, you know, maybe one day after you've de- uh, dealt with it for a while, uh, you can start to open up in other uh, venues, maybe recovery groups or uh, things like that. But to start with, you know, you don't want to just open up because I've seen so many people really be devastated and and ministries destroyed because they shared too much too soon. Uh, so you want to be cautious. But uh, the office of a counselor can really be a major, major life transforming uh, option, a, a great place to start. How would a pastor go about finding that counselor? I mean, I think, you know, I know there's a lot of networks and different things. Are there, is there a way that you would recommend that if a pastor doesn't know somebody, um, that he, how he could yeah. find somebody? We have a call center, 1-800-NEW-LIFE. You call us, and uh, we, that's what they do there is they help people find people in their area. And you can just tell them, hey, look, I'm a pastor. I don't want anybody to know about this. I need, I need a safe place where I can go. Now, the other thing is, if it's a, a sexual integrity problem, in New Life, we do every man's battle. That's an intensive uh, weekend. It's 48 hours, and uh, we have so many pastors come. And if you're a pastor, you can do it half price. Uh, and we bring in Christian counselors from all over the country. You hear someone speak, and then you go into a group, a small group with a, a counselor, and you'll probably be there with some other pastors, and you start to open up there. And that's a, a really safe place that has just, oh my goodness, it's turned so many ministries that were literally about, I mean, the guy was about to walk out the door because he didn't know that there was uh, any other thing that he could do. So you can call us, we'll help you find one. Yeah, and, and, on, and with that, I think, what are the other things... Um, you know, I'm thinking about the pastor who feels hopeless, who maybe has tried some of these things and just feels like I- I'm never going to beat this thing or never going to get out of it. What are some of the best practices or the things that you've seen that have, have been the most helpful to pastors who have not only fought this battle, but, but won? Well, um, you know, if you say you've tried something, well, you might have tried it but you didn't really work whatever it was that was there. And so you may have to quote unquote, try it again. But another place where you can go and, and have some kind of confidentiality is you can go to uh, a recovery group. You know, you can get involved in a 12 step recovery group and you'll be surprised at the other folks that are there that, you know, that are in ministry, just like you. I've, I've gone to groups where I'm just shocked at how much Christian content is there from the other people sharing from their own lives. But, you know, some people say, well, you know, I don't, I don't really like the 12 steps. And I always ask him, well, what, what part don't you like the part from first Corinthians 13 or the book of James or the sermon on the Mount? Because the guys that put those steps together, they, that's where they say they got them, you know, and, and then they'll say, well, you know, I don't, I just don't like this higher power thing. And I said, well, sounds like to me, maybe you don't like it because you're still 
the highest power in your own life. You know, maybe if you would surrender to a higher power, like, you know, there are a lot of people that Jesus is their savior, but their ego or their agenda is still the highest source of power and control in their lives. And until they do something about that, you know, life's probably not going to get much better. Yeah. And so, yeah, I love this. It's so practical. Do you feel like counseling, the recover groups, are those like, are those essentials or, because I, I think a lot of pastors think, oh, well, I'll do this, but not this. Do you feel like there's kind of a holistic, like you really need to work every step? Well, what what's your option? I mean, there aren't a lot of pastors that have safe pastors that they can go to and talk to. And if they, you know, if they're in a major denomination and they share some of the things that they need to take care of, they're done. They're, it's over. So the other option is to keep it a secret. And you're not going to do one bit of good uh, trying to do a new level of Bible study or something on your own. You can't fix these kinds of issues by yourself. Now, let's just say that your problem is you're just overcommitted. Well, you know, that's something that you can deal with. But again, look at the greats who have done something. I was with Rick Warren of Saddleback just the other day. And uh, he asked me how my buddy uh, Dave Stoop is. And, and Dave and I, we just published this book, Take Your Life Back. And I said, uh, oh, you know, Dave's just doing great. And uh, Rick said, well, you know, back when I was very early in ministry, I collapsed in the pulpit. He said, I was doing too much. And I, I went to this guy and he said, you ought to go get some help from Dave Stoop. And so he said, you know what, Dave? totally changed my life. So what what does this spiritual giant Rick Warren do? He goes to see a good, solid Christian counselor. So I don't know. I mean, you can try doing stuff on your own. You can try harder. You can all that stuff. But I got to tell you, when you finally are humbly willing to open up to another person, find a safe person to do it with. And if you can do that outside of a counselor's office, great, but why do it? Why not go to somebody who can really help your unique situation? And as a pastor, it is a very, very unique situation that you have. Yeah. I think another error that I I hear, or maybe it's not an error, but I'll let you weigh in on that, but is pastors who say, well, I just need to pray more. You know, like I can get through this if I just had more time to pray or just, you know, prayed more. Why isn't that just the way to, to work through this? Well, because the Bible says it's not enough. The Bible says that it, it isn't enough just to pray. You have to confess to another person. You have to open up your life, humbly open up your life to another person. And I, I just think the act of opening it up, that kind of humility uh, that it requires to open up, you know, that's once you do that, you're, you're kind of over one of the biggest hurdles toward healing right there. But if you stay with this attitude of, you know, I must never, ever tell anybody who I am and what I'm going through, then you're going to have a superficial ministry, and you're never going to, I, I don't think you'll ever, ever uh, be able to reach people the way they want to be reached today and need to be reached. And you really ought to ask yourself, what am I afraid of when I'm using this lame excuse, I'm just going to pray more, read the Bible more. People have been trying to do that for years, you know? 
And I just take you back to good old uh, the prophet that who, who said, you know, is not this thing in my hand a lie? And, and I, I like to, you know, kind of transpose it into saying, maybe we ought to ask, is not this thing in my head a lie? This belief, this false belief. Um, I think what Isaiah said about a piece of wood certainly applies to what we think and the things that we use in our minds to prevent us from reaching out and humbly letting one other person know the truth about my life. Mm, so good. Can you talk to the pastor who's struggling with burnout right now, who who just feels like he's yeah. he's getting to that point? Yeah, well, you know, um, if you're burned out, um, maybe you're trying too hard to be something that you're not called to be. And uh, in Take Your Life Back, we tell people uh, you can't really find fulfillment in what you do if you're leading a reactive life. If you are in a situation where you're reacting to some kind of hurt you've had in your past, or you're reacting to wanting to be the next best thing or not miss the next big movement in ministry, if you're reacting to what the guy down the street is doing, uh, or you know, if you're you're reacting to the biggest donor in your church, you're not responding to what God wants you to do. So you have to go from this reactive mode that's based on your effort, it's fueled by your fear, to turning that around and starting to get back in touch with. Wait a second, what is it that God has really called me to do? Why was I called into this ministry, and what do I need to do to get back to that? But the biggest uh, burnout, producer of burnout, I think, is the reactive life versus the responsive life. And then, as I said before, when you're in the reactive life, living out of a false self, uh, you you are going to burn out, and you're going to burn up, and you may end up getting out of ministry right at the time when if you had humbled yourself uh, and and sought some help and looked at things from a different way other than my prayers will uh, get me through. fact is, you may be doing some stuff. You may be mistreating your wife or other people to where your prayers aren't even being heard. I mean, that's a really uh, specific scripture warning for us about our prayers being heard. So, you know, uh, you can continue to try to stay in this sick secret. But I say, uh, when you start to open up, that's when things start to change. Mm -hmm. And talk about what what does it look like to get true rest? Because I think a lot of times what brings true rest is different from just what we we assume that rest looks like. Well, you know, um, before you go rest, why don't you try to restructure? (laughs) Why don't you say, okay, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to take off. You know, I, some of the folks have the luxury of a sabbatical. Some people don't, but before you do, why don't you look at what you're doing and uh, ask, you know, when I return from this, how are things going to be different? I'm going to plan that right now. And what, what activities do I have to withdraw from? Do I have to delegate? Or do I have to try to find a volunteer or paid staff to do? What is it that that I'm afraid of if I delegate it or turn it over to somebody else? 
And, um, you know, you, you start to really look at some major structural and organizational changes so that you're not on the verge of burnout every time and you're just holding on and all of your rest times just kind of get you back to almost in a state of rest and and healing and restoration. Uh, What you want to do is you want to be sure you're coming back to an environment that's going to sustain you and you're not always going to be in trouble. I love that. Dr. Arburn, talk to the, the leaders or even just the people in a church and who who want to support their pastor, who who maybe listen to this and think, wow, I, I didn't realize like pastors go through all this. How can people, and maybe especially the leaders in the church, support their pastor? Hmm. Um, I appreciate you. Uh, I have a boat you can use. <laughs> I, I don't have to be with you when you use it. You can just use it. I appreciate you. Here's a house in the country you can go to to get away. I appreciate you. Uh, tell me something on your plate that uh, I could maybe do for you or something that maybe I can't do, but I could help you try to run down somebody uh, that could so that, uh, you know, you, you end up not having to deal with this whole thing by yourself. So um, a thank you note, that's one thing. But offering up something, a resource that you have, or assistance and a willingness uh, to come alongside that pastor, uh, that is priceless. And if you're on a board and you're, you know, it's not a, an advisory type elder board or deacon board, but it's, it's truly a governing type board, and you have the influence, uh, then influence the other board members that, hey, we got to help this guy. We've, we've been so hard on him. Uh, we need to be sure that we fix ourselves here so we're not expecting more than he can deliver. And if we are, then, you know, we're going to burn this guy out and uh, we're going to end up looking for another pastor and we'll burn him out too. So, you know, the greatest thing you can do, offer resources and influence those that work with that pastor uh, to try to understand the stress level he's under and to do something to uh, reduce it a little bit. I love that. I think it's such wise advice, especially where we see more and more pastors uh, who are burning out, who are under a lot of stress, and and it, it, it behooves leaders to to watch that and, and come alongside. Dr. Arbery, yeah. thank you so much for, for the time and for, for so much wisdom. I think a lot of pastors and leaders will be helped and encouraged by your words to, to go get the help that they need. So thank you so much for your ministry and for sharing with us today. Well, let me just close by saying, if you need some help, you call us at 1-800-NEW-LIFE. And then uh, this new book that we've, we've got out, I think you'll just find a lot of hope and healing from Take Your Life Back. It, it really can help you a lot. Yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes and, and also put, put the number there. So thank you so much. All right. God bless you there. Well, thanks again to Dr. Steve Arterburn for joining us this week as our special guest on the Church Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, and consider sending this episode to somebody you know who might be blessed by listening to it. Also, you can download the show notes for this episode and every episode at churchleaders.com forward slash podcast. In those show notes, we always include resources mentioned in the show and links to some of our guest top content on churchleaders.com. As always, if you have ideas for how we can improve this podcast or guests you'd love to hear us interview, email us at podcast at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening. 
We'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.